Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, and I am the author of a series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, nine volumes, all of which are available at Amazon in ebook, paperback, and Kindle. So please go out and partake of them. And also, if you're an audiophile, which there are many these days, volumes one through eight are available in audio format at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So please go out, buy yourself a copy, and support what it is we are doing. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you, bro? I'm doing all right. How about you, Bill? Okay, you know, uh, I was thinking before the podcast uh, today that let me postulate this to you and the listeners. I really believe at this point that those that have had some type of encounter with anything, I don't care if it's a Bigfoot, a UFO, a ghost, whatever, I think these people listen to the stories that we tell and the things we speak about with a different set of ears than your average Joe. What do you think of that? Oh, I think so. But by the way, I got to I got to rewind a little bit. You know, you don't care what it was they ran into. Well, I do. Like I'm sitting here. It's dark. It's stormy out tonight. The rain's coming down sideways. I'm on the second story. And if I look out the window and there's a dog man looking in the window at me, <laughs> that's different than running into a Bigfoot out in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> or if the doorbell rings and I look at my ring doorbell and I see some black-eyed children looking into the doorbell <laughs> camera and they say to me, I just would like to borrow your telephone, that's a little different, okay? <laughs> There's these outdoor sightings of a creature, and you're like, yeah, that's scary, but it's kind of cool. Dog man looking in your window on the second story, red eyes glowing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if I should say this or not. Uh-oh. Uh, my buddy, uh, well, before I, before I even think of saying what I'm going to say, <laughs> so my point is this, that to the push. The poison. Can you believe I almost said that? The poison? The poison? (laughs) (laughs) To the the person who sees a Bigfoot jumping across the interstate uh, in their headlights, uh, they don't find it hard to believe that that same creature uh, during a testimonial 
had one uh, destroy all of their chickens and rip the door off of their hen house. And the guy who had it rip the door off of the hen house and killed all his chickens has an easy time of believing that one jumped across the interstate in front of the woman driving down the road. You know, in other words, neither one of them has an axe to grind with the other because they both have experienced something and uh, there's no point of disagreement in it. You follow me? Oh, sure. But I mean, look at how many people write in to us, Bill, that, you know, they're like, hey, uh, like a couple of letters tonight, by the way. They're like, hey, you know, I've been out there in these locations, but I haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, exactly. So. And uh, get ready, because I believe it's going to happen. <laughs> now, my friend Philip, my good friend Philip, he's a uh, started out as a listener to the podcast, and uh, we had a couple of phone calls together, and uh, I talk to Philip all the time. Fantastic guy. Very knowledgeable. Now, Philip, I hope you don't mind me saying this. Nobody knows who you are except for me, where you live, what you've done. But I will mention that uh, he uh, was a uh, coroner, uh, funeral home director, uh, embalmer. In other words, his business was dealing with the dead. And he had shared with me a number of things, but most recently in one of our conversations, he was directed, and Philip, if I botched this up a little bit, forgive me because the audience will get the gist anyway. He was given the instructions by a funeral home director uh, how to handle a particular body that he had in tow that he was bringing to this man's funeral home. And Philip told me it struck him as odd that this funeral home director had given him a really weird set of instructions about how he was to approach the funeral home. Uh, Don't go in this way, ride around back, go through that way. Don't turn the lights on. Don't do this. Don't do that. And Philip was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But. Uh, the guy's paying the bill and he's following the instructions. And uh, when he got inside the funeral home, dimly lit, having uh, followed the instructions to the letter that he was given, he hears something calling his name softly. So he told me that it was kind of like a standing goof. Uh, in the business, and he had experienced it before with somebody else that, you know, somebody was in the building and trying to spook him. Well, such was not the case. He hears his name called again. So he looked around a little bit, following the instructions not to do certain things. And he was in this space, this room, and he realized that there were like crucifixes all over the place, every wall, over the door. I mean, you know, maybe one is would suffice, you know, Uh, but there was a number of them. And then he peers into this space. And what does he see looking back at him? 
a pair of red glowing eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Philip, believe me when I tell you, Philip is nobody's fool. This guy's got his head screwed on straight. He's uh, well-versed in a lot of different topics. He's smart. He's intuitive. And he said, Bill, it was time to go. (laughs) And then when he had a conversation with the director, I believe like the following day, he said, well, now I understand why you didn't want me to do certain things over there. And the guy was like evasive. (laughs) And he said, I saw... I saw what was going on over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what How's exactly that? you think, uh, or does Philip think, was going on? Some type of demonic infestation, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, some type of creep, huh? Yeah, I told him that, uh, uh, make no bones about it, something had gone down in that building that was out of order spiritually. Mm. Now, whether it was people in that business that were doing something they shouldn't be doing in the building that attracted that thing, uh, I, I, I really find it hard to believe that some be, somebody being laid to rest could release that in the building. Now, that uh, sounds more like somebody uh, inviting... Uh Inviting the creepiness in. Yeah. You know what? He tells me a lot of interesting things, having been in the business uh, many years and his family before him. He was saying the other night that it was common practice uh, going back in the funeral uh, home business for somebody to be there all night. And there would typically be a light on and people would just show up in the middle of the night, you know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning to knock on the door and come in and tell you that, you know, my uh, my relative just passed away. And somebody would stay there. It was like a 24-hour gig, you know. Mm. And uh, it's interesting, you know, because we don't know the history. We only know really what we see here and now. But uh, there's a lot more than meets the eye in a lot of different uh, businesses and operations when you go back. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. I mean, things have changed tremendously. Yeah. Oh, there were no phones, right? No, Maybe you since lived the old in, days, yeah. You lived in a rural community, and uh, you, you rode down. Uh, uh, well, I think, too, a lot more people died at home, you know, a long yeah. time ago, right? Yeah. Yep, uh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So, uh well, there you have it, Kev. Uh, cool. Well, you took us for a little creepiness wander, which I'm not opposed to. <laughs> uh, so tonight, in Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities, we're going to cover um, a cool development that was recently in the news. Okay. And then we're going to get some serious creep on. <laughs> I love that. And by the way... This one may actually need a special warning for its creepiness. <laughs> so that's your warning. <laughs> yeah, be advised. <laughs> so first, the first section is not creepy. It's just kind of cool. And uh-huh. Bill, we, you and I didn't talk about this like we often don't talk about uh, what I'm going to talk about. 
Um, but back on August 13th of this year, in the morning hours, I don't know if you read about it or if you saw the videos, but there was what is now believed to be, <clears throat> excuse me, a meteor that um, came into the atmosphere in northern Utah. Oh, I didn't hear a thing oh, about it. Oh, this is spectacular. So, and I'll tell you why it's spectacular to me. We often talk about the fact that we're going to see things now more of creatures, oddities, whatever, because there's so many cameras around. You know, like I was joking about my ring doorbell. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. And the black-eyed children that it might catch if they come knocking. Yeah. Um, and in fact, so, so many people, I mean, thousands of people around northern Utah heard this extremely loud boom. Wow. On this uh, Saturday morning, about 8.30 in the morning, uh, a couple of weeks ago in August of this year, 2022, and people captured it on their ring doorbells. And really? security cameras. Yeah. So I'll put some of these up on our website under this episode, uh, 163. And it's pretty cool. So, you know, so like a couple of people wrote in or tweeted, even the governor of Utah tweeted. He was out on a morning run and he said he heard this very loud boom. And then they went to some of these uh, or people sent in some of their doorbell cameras and stuff like that. And sure enough, it's like, ba-boom, you know, wow. right at that time, recorded. And then even cooler than that, there was a camera out at uh, a ski resort in northern Utah. Of course, they're not skiing right now. And um, they recorded, like they just had a camera facing out over the mountain, and they recorded this um, looks like a UFO coming across the sky a little bit like what we saw on um, Skinwalker Ranch. Oh. So it looks like this silver thing moving across the sky. It's daytime, Bill. So right. it's blue sky. and But then you see it like start to break up and uh, burn up as it hits the atmosphere. Yeah. Because at yeah. first I was like, well, wait a minute. Northern Utah, Skinwalker Ranch, this looks a lot like something they would see. But then you see it like start to flash and break up. But this right. was captured, again, not by somebody with a shaky uh, cell phone, but by just a camera that was at this ski resort looking out over the mountain. And somebody said, hey, let's go back and look at that tape from yeah. uh, that morning. And sure enough, like beautiful video. And again, I'll put that up on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. So. Yeah, and they do disintegrate. And there was the sonic boom uh, which was lacking at Skinwalker. I'm just trying to oh, yeah, throw, yeah. No, yeah, throw yeah, yeah. both sides yeah. of it into the mix there, you know? Yep. And and actually, there's another story. So that first story comes from uh, USA Today. But then there was another story very recently, a few days ago, where um, they believed that they found pieces of the meteorite. Oh. And uh, this gentleman found them, and he donated them to the University of Utah. Which okay. is pretty cool. So they're out there still looking for it. But I thought, like, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, it is an oddity that's in the news, uh, and that's what we talk about on this segment. And then the other point is that all of these cameras out there caught both the sound 
And then, you know, a couple of them actually caught the meteorite as well, which I think is super cool. Yeah, we're definitely on the doorstep of some additional discoveries. But, of course, Kev, it may not be you or I that says this, but I'll bet you a dollar for a donut that no matter what shows up on some of these cameras, there are going to be naysayers who say it was rigged. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. You know. So. All right. So we're going to get the creep bomb. All right. Let's do it. All right. So I was in the supermarket about a month ago, like I often am. And over by the cash register, I'm sure some of our listeners have seen that Life magazine has these additions that come out once in a while. Let's say the world's scariest places. And they have like some pretty creepy stories inside of them. So I can't pass that up. So I always pick up, you know, whatever the latest edition is. And I was <laughs> reading about this uh, vampire graveyard in what they call the Plague Islands of Italy. Uh. So there's some islands off of Italy where they used to, um, when the plague was breaking out, they used to uh, move people over to this island and let them die there. And they, they believed that uh, some of these people were vampires because they would cover up their you know, their faces, their bodies with a shroud like they do with the dead, you know, still today with like Uh a sheet. And when they would come back, like the sheet would be deteriorated around the mouth. And they would start to believe that, like, wait a minute, like, what's up with this? Like, why is why is there a hole here over this person's mouth that had this weird, uh, disease, you know, the plague uh-huh. or whatever. Uh-huh. Now, there's scientific reasons for this, you know, like something to do with the illness, you know, attack the cloth and stuff like that, but leave it to these folks in Italy. They would then take the person and they would bury them with a brick in their mouth so that they couldn't, you know, rise up from the dead and eat anything else or bite anyone else because they <laughs> thought they were a vampire. Yeah, kind of hard to chew on a brick. That's tough. So literally, though, you find (laughs) these skulls with bricks jammed in their mouth. What a bizarre thing. Totally bizarre. So now that's a little creepy. So after reading this story, you know, next to the the checkout line, um, I said, let me do a little bit more research on this. And sure enough. I come across this across this article from Life Science, and they they have found uh, in this children's graveyard in uh, Lugnano, Italy, uh-huh. uh, a child what they believe is a what what they believe was thought to be a child vampire that was buried over fifteen hundred years ago with a brick in its mouth. Uh, what's the time frame between the one that you started with and this child vampire? Oh, it's around the same era, you know. Okay. Yes, not the same, not within like a lifetime, but within a couple of hundred years. Okay, so we're not like a thousand years apart. No, yet. not a thousand years apart. Okay. So, so this this vampire burial of a child, they talk about with a brick stuffed in its mouth. 
um, from 1,550 years ago. Um, they said that they were worried that the, the child might rise from the grave and then spread its vampire disease. Ugh. Now, they think now, but they don't know, going back in time, that a lot of these folks had malaria back then in Lugnano, Italy, these kids. Wow. And they would bury them all in the same place. Wow. You know, and that's, of course, out of ignorance. I mean, oh, nobody... Oh, 100%. They're afraid. You know, they, yeah. they see these weird behaviors. You know, it looks like a possession and, you know... Of course, the, you know, they had tremendous respect for demons and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they, I mean, they didn't understand it at all. Yeah. Well, malaria, I mean, can cause severe fever, delirium. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. And if you didn't know what was going on or had never seen it before, you'd just think the person was pitching some type of demonic fit. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Unbelievable. So it gets a little worse, okay? Uh-oh. You had the warning. All uh, right. So this cemetery is called La Necropoli dei Bambini, or the Cemetery of Babies. Uh. And here they find where this other vampire child was found. They found skeletons of babies and toddlers and they find them buried beside weird things like raven talons, toad bones, and even bronze cauldrons buried with the babies with the remains of small dogs in them. What? Yes. What? Bizarre. Yes. So what do we know about this, if anything? This is just part of the ritual. You know, they they um, don't know what was going on with these children when they died. Probably a disease like malaria, and but they thought it was some type of demonic possession. Oh. And lastly, again, I promised to deliver the creep tonight, so I apologize if you folks weren't ready for it. But they found the skeleton of a little girl at the cemetery... And it had stones holding down her hands and feet. So kind of like they were not only burying this dead child, but then putting stones on her hands and feet so she couldn't rise and walk away. Boy, oh boy, man. You want to talk about some bizarre superstitions. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boy, but thank God... uh, you know, I know there's plenty going on today to be concerned about, but uh, thank God we're not at that level. No, and they say, like in this article, they say that they know that the Romans were very much concerned with this spread of disease and would even go to the extent of employing witchcraft to keep out the evil. Whatever mm-hmm. it was that was contaminating the body, they wanted mm-hmm. to keep it from coming out and contaminating anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, uh, I don't want to go too far over the, uh, over the deep end here, but uh, this type of sorcery and stuff has been going on as long as man has been on the earth. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, there have been plenty of people. We had the, the biblical account of Saul dealing with the witch at Endor, uh, for which he was uh, severely punished, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, witchcraft, sorcery, calling on things that shouldn't be called on, uh, this type of stuff has been going on for a long, long time. And I just told you about what happened with Philip in the relatively modern-day funeral home. Absolutely. So people are messing with stuff, and when you mess with stuff, uh, be on guard because you're going to get an answer that you may not be ready to receive. And it doesn't surprise me that the Romans uh, uh, were engaging in the hiring of witches uh, to uh, deal with these things. You know, it doesn't shock me at all, you know. Yeah. Uh, they were pretty much anything goes when the whistle blows over there uh, relative to their spiritual practices, you know, before Christianity came knocking on the door. Uh, but anyways, wow, that is really bizarre, Kev. Wild stuff, right? Yeah, that is crazy, man. All right, buddy. So uh, you opened up with some creep, a little bonus creep. Oh. I brought the creep and the meteor story. So what do you got as an account tonight? <clears throat> well, I'll tell you, some of this stuff is just plain hard to take. But uh, tonight, we go back to uh, one of our mainstays, which is an account that came from a trooper. And some people, like I say, it, it doesn't matter who you are. Trooper, pooper, super duper, they don't care who you are, they don't believe. But the following story was brought to my attention uh, by a fellow named Gary Adair, who at the time of this event was a trooper up here in the Northeast where I live. He encountered something very interesting while pursuing something entirely different. Dispatch had sent out a call asking all available units to report to the scene of a domestic dispute. Apparently, a woman had called in for help, saying that her husband was going to kill her with a sword. Now, any type of law enforcement officer will tell you, Bill, that these are the worst types of calls to go on. Nationwide, many officers have been shot trying to defuse such situations. As soon as the call came over the radio, I was on my way with two other units. As I arrived at the location, which was a house trailer located deep into a wooded lot, car 605 was ahead of me. We got out of the cars and went to the door with guns drawn. We could hear that there was a heated dispute still going on inside of the trailer, including a lot of cursing and yelling coming from a man and a woman. My partner pounded on the door shouting, Police! while I watched, standing off to one end of the trailer with my pistol. Just after he knocked, the female voice shouted, 
Good, they're here. Now you're going to go to jail, you low-life creep. Seconds after this, I heard a crash from the backside of the trailer, which was followed by the sighting of a man running out into a field while wearing nothing but a pair of shorts and sneakers, having apparently forced his way out, jumping through a window. I shouted to my partner that we had a runner and started in pursuit of the man just as the third unit was now arriving. Upon seeing me giving chase to the man, the third officer started driving out into the field with his Bronco in pursuit of the same. It had been about 4 p.m. in the afternoon when the pursuit began, as I heard over the radio, now that the man was unarmed. I had stumbled and fell, and at virtually the same time, the Bronco had reached a deep furrow that the truck could not cross. Now that officer and myself were both on foot chasing after this guy. The runner had already reached the woods, and additional backup was on the way as the two of us joined forces entering the tree line together. We spaced ourselves out about 30 or 40 yards apart and started walking in. Now, a running man going into a desolate forest wearing only a pair of shorts is not going to last very long. I must have been several hundred yards into the trees when I came across a creek. And I radioed to my partner about the find. There was a slight embankment comprised of some moist brown soil that appeared drier as you moved away from the water, which stands to reason. After I told my partner about the creek, he moved forward, coming across it now himself. This officer was now going to move easterly, looking for tracks the man might have left while crossing the creek, and I was going to follow behind him. Both of us believed that he had gone more in my partner's direction. As I was now closing the gap between where I had started and where my partner had begun, I came across some gigantic impressions by the creek's edge. The impressions were so fresh that they were still filling with water from the wet soil. One of them looked to be two or possibly three feet deep, and the prints had to have been close to two feet long and wide. I radioed my partner immediately, telling him to backtrack to my position. We stood there, examining the tracks, and we could see one more print on the other side of the creek as well indicating that something had crossed the creek here. Now, just so you can visualize this, Bill, the creek was about a foot deep at its deepest point, maybe 12 feet wide in total, including several feet of bank on each side. And there was no way that these tracks were those of the man we were chasing. 
We both walked through the water and then into the woods following the tracks. Maybe 40 feet into the woods only on the other side, we found a sneaker. And at this point, there was no reason for the two of us to go any further while alone. We retreated back to the field and the trailer. Our reinforcements had already arrived, and I presented the sneaker to the wife, who confirmed it was her husband's. With the assistance of another agency, our office began a manhunt. We staked out various roads and areas where the man would eventually have to emerge, knowing that he couldn't last long in the woods with no clothing and now one sneaker. After several days, the man had not been seen or taken into custody. And the wife said that she hadn't seen him on or near the property, and neither she nor any of their relatives had heard from him. During this time, the giant impressions by the creek had been the topic of much discussion, as well as the sneaker that we had found. Some felt that the prince had been enlarged by the softness of the creek's edge, even after I had insisted they were not since I had seen them within moments of when they had been made. It was after the passage of about two years' time. This turned into a missing person case, the man still not having been seen in all of that time. About three years later, some hunters came across human skeletal remains about five miles north of where this chase had begun years earlier. They had been hunting in some thick timber and found the bones in a patch of tangled briars. After the report, the remains were retrieved by our forensics people. And after much examination, we believe that the bones belong to our missing man. DNA had been retrieved from the remaining spouse's child and it turned up as a match. The skeleton was that of the runaway man from some three years earlier. But here is the real clincher of the story, if you will, Bill and why I called you in the first place. According to the coroner, the man's skull had been caved in past the mid-sagittal line. In other words, the head had been smashed in more than halfway by blunt force trauma. Now, just to give you an idea of this type of force as it was told to me, If I was to take a full swing at your head with a large baseball bat, more than likely I couldn't even come close to this type of impact on your skull. Perhaps not even with two or three repeated forceful blows could I hope to create such damage. Also, numerous ribs had been broken via compound fractures. They were all clean breaks where the bones had been cleanly broken into two separate pieces. All of this must have occurred while the man was in the forest 
running and alone. Now it seems to me, my dear listeners, that something else had delivered to justice that was due to this violent man. And in my opinion, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. What are your thoughts? What do you think of that, Kev? Pretty creepy. Unbelievable. (laughs) Can you imagine coming across such evidence and spread out over so much time? Just very, very bizarre circumstances indeed. Yeah, other than uh, the Bigfoots combined with the UFOs and stuff like that, this is a pretty weird account, though. Very strange. Very strange. And one might say, even if you think about it, if you don't buy into any of the uh, circumstantial evidence, like these giant deep impressions in the muddy bank, uh, certainly to sink down two or three feet, I mean, I don't know, man. Of course, we weren't there. We don't know what the mud was like. But to find this guy, he never emerges from the woods. I doubt they were looking five miles away from the area, and that's where he was found three years later. Right. So whatever had happened to this guy and took him five miles away, uh, I don't know, man. And what caves you had. You know what this reminds me of, Kev? You remember the first bone pile uh, account that I told you about with the orthopedic surgeon? Yes. Where he said it looked like a pipe. Something round and circular had been jammed through the face of this man's head. Yes. And here we have this guy... Uh, where the side of his head was caved in past the midline. I mean, that's that's really, that's hard to do, man. No, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, the skull is pretty durable, uh, but uh, I don't I don't know. And ribs snap cleanly in two. I mean, shoved in a bush. That's kind of weird. The whole thing is very bizarre, man. It fits into the bizarre category, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it. No Bigfoot sighting, nothing crazy. Just I throw it out there like, what do you think? It's just a really bizarre, bizarre tale. Now, if you're asking me, if you're asking me what I think, I think this guy got nailed by a Bigfoot. Could be. He's running away from the police and then... Runs into some other creature. A little surprise. Yeah. yeah, some justice. Along the creek. Yep, yep. Some Do they justice. call it Bigfoot justice, Bill? I guess you would, you know. <laughs> Maybe the Bigfoot was sent there to uh, seal the deal. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's a little strange afterthought. Pretty cool yep. account. Pretty cool yep. and definitely strange. We got the strange <laughs> podcast tonight, but now we have some not-so-strange listener mail. 
So All right, what do we got, bro? A few of them here. So, first one comes in from Grant. And uh, this is this is great, folks. You know, I talk about it all the time. Like, you know, we've done 163 episodes pretty much with new news items every time. And in this particular case, um, uh, Grant's writing in with an idea. So um, he says, could you please look into something called the Pac-Man Impact Site? I hadn't heard of this, so I got to research it. But he says it's an alternative of traditional continental shift theory. It's based on the impact of a huge asteroid or comet splitting the Earth in the Atlantic Ocean region and possibly causing the Great Flood. I welcome any questions you have. Good luck researching it. Grant. Hmm. Interesting. So you haven't heard of that one either, right? I haven't either, but right. uh, I'm always a little leery of people that are trying to uh, uh, latch on to the the Great Flood. And I guess they're talking about Noah's Flood, as we I'm know. guessing. I mean, but, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty interesting, the meteor theory, you know. Yeah. Whatever it is. And I got to look into it, see what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so do you do you do diligence, And I Kevin? love people writing in with new ideas. <laughs> And what was that fellow's name? Grant. Grant. Yeah, thanks for chiming in with us, Grant. It sounds like you got my brother's ear. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And our next email comes in from Caitlin from New Jersey. And she writes, hello from New Jersey. I have been a loyal listener to your podcast since I found it last year. Mm -hmm. I'd like to start with you, Bill. I'm so very sorry about your wife. Hearing the news on the last podcast broke my heart. It made me cry, yet I've never actually met either of you. The love that you two shared will never die, even though our mortal vessels cannot last that long. Mm -hmm. I am a huge believer in Bigfoot, a woman of science as well. I hope that one day I come across signs and evidence of my own but cannot negate the possibility of an unknown species in the forest and untouched habitats in the world. I listen to your podcast through work, driving to and from work as well. I am extremely appreciative of the work you both do with the podcast. One day, I hope to take a crack at one of your contests. (laughs) Thanks for all you do, Caitlin. And she says, P.S. I work next to the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. I've hiked there a few times, and I have not seen the Jersey Devil yet. Yet, exactly. Exactly. Wow, Caitlin. Yeah. Caitlin from Jersey. Jersey. So, Caitlin, first of all, thanks to you and everybody else. The emails and condolences are pouring in. Uh, I love you guys, and uh, I thank you so much. Now, as far as the contest goes, here's what we're going to do, Kev, sparked Uh-oh. by Caitlin. Here is the contest question for an autographed copy of one of my books. You will answer this. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? You will send your answer to <laughs> BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. 
if you don't know the answer, don't bother entering the contest. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, and, just be clear, I had nothing to do with this contest. <laughs> and remember this, because there was no winner to the last contest because he didn't follow the rules. Uh-oh, you must, here goes the rules. Get your pencils out, please. That's right. Number very, two pencils. Very simple rules. You've got to be listening to the podcast that I announced the winner in. Otherwise, you don't know you won. And then you have to get back to me and give me your uh, mailing address so I can send you out the book. Kind of simple. Or at least your neighbor's mailing address if you're willing to take it out of their mailbox. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so, Caitlin, perhaps you'll win. Perhaps you won't. But that is our new. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Hmm. All right. If you got to think about that too much, all like right, I said. Right. And our last <laughs> note tonight and last contest for the night, I hope, comes in from one of our longtime field correspondents, Rick uh-huh. from Ohio. Love Rick. And Rick writes, WJ. Hope that you're getting along okay. I've been thinking of you. Thought you and Kevin would like this story. A buried UFO photo that's 32 years old and also could be a picture of the long-rumored Aurora spy plane. Plus, get this, the photographers that took the picture originally, um, you know, years ago, 32 years ago, they've disappeared. Hmm. And he put in this picture from the Daily Mail online of this, uh, like, diamond-shaped aircraft. Not aircraft, though, but UFO or UAP. Crystal clear daytime that apparently was uh, stowed away by, like, the Department of Defense over there and then was freed up, perhaps through, like, the Freedom of Information Act or something like that. Did you see there was another, like, airliner back behind it? Yeah, in the there was distance? another plane flying behind it. Like, yeah. not literally following it, but back in the background, so to speak. Yeah, it certainly is a bizarre shape to it, and it doesn't look aerodynamic at all. No, well, it's like, it looks like uh, one of, like, the battle cruisers, uh, dreadnoughts from Star Wars or something. Okay. Kind of diamond-shaped. Yeah, very weird. Yeah. The photograph looks legit, but who's to say? You know, it it's does. Just it looks pretty cool. I, uh, you know, a lot of times you get these and you look at them, and, and I don't click on the, uh, or I wait to click on the link, and then when I click on the link, I got my fingers crossed that it's something kind of cool. And Rick, you didn't disappoint. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Now Rick's uh, Rick's a decent bloke. Uh, I was just <laughs> talking to him uh, maybe a week ago. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's got an interest in what we do. And because of that, he's a contributing factor. Oh, you know yeah, what I he mean? Is, he is a contributing editor of sorts, field reporter, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. So, yeah. So that's it this week, folks. Thanks for your continued support. And by the way, you guys have been giving us five star reviews, which are fantastic. And we really love some of the written reviews that you've been providing, too. Um, you know, give us a five-star review. If you want to write something, 
uh, positive as well. It's fantastic. We get we get charged up from reading uh, all of the good news and the five star reviews bring new listeners to the podcast, which is uh, good for us and good for you. Yeah, and remember, folks, uh, don't leave all the legwork up to people like Rick. If you've seen something, say something. Contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact button. Uh, Tell me what you've seen or what you'd like to talk about, and I'll get back to you. It's that simple. And uh, if some type of relationship develops out of that, fantastic. I mean, you know, we're in the people business, and you're the people who partake of our business. So we're more than happy to uh, hear from you and entertain what it is you've seen or whatever your suggestions may be. And, and, if my, my, and if my brother scares you away and you don't want to talk to him anymore, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, avoid fighting with your wife, especially if you live in a trailer out in the middle of a giant lot, <laughs> so you don't have to dive out of the window and run across the creek. But should you find yourself in that situation, you better remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>